0: You're listening to the Knowing Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Lynnelle Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped more hopeful and less alone than when you arrived hey everybody welcome to the podcast my guest on today's episode is sarah ricky host of the heart lessons podcast and author of the recently released book even broken can be beautiful sarah is a mother to three adorable children and she and her husband also have two precious babies in heaven their daughter Evie and son Charlie only lived for a short time after their births before passing away from the complications of a rare genetic condition. Though her journey has been painful, I know you'll agree after listening to our time together that Sarah has a beautiful knowledge of God's faithfulness in her suffering. She graciously allowed me to ask some really hard questions and I was so moved by her responses, even to tears. There are many takeaways in this episode, and as always, I'm in awe of how much goodness can flow from our willingness to share the story God is writing for us. The Heart Lessons podcast, born out of Sarah's experiences with loss, was actually one of the very first podcasts I subscribed to last year during a really difficult season, and those episodes helped to calm my anxious heart and keep my eyes on Jesus. As you can guess it was really special to connect with sarah in this way and i'm so grateful for her sweet and sensitive heart here's our conversation hi sarah
1: hi lanelle how are you i'm doing good how's your day going it is going well it's a quiet afternoon here so that's nice kind of rainy but feels good
0: (laughs) Uh, we've got the sun shining here but um, we could use some rain. So <laughs> send it our way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> here you <we> go. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, well, I'm so thankful that you're here to just to share your story today. I'm just really thankful that our listeners are going to be able to hear about what God has done in your life and through your motherhood story.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much.
0: Do you want to just start by just telling us a little bit about your story, your journey of motherhood, and just what that's looked like for you in the last few years? And yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, So my name is Sarah, and I've been married to my husband, Josh, for 13 years. Um, We just celebrated our anniversary at the end of July. Um, We have an eight-and-a-half-year-old son, Micah. Um, He's going into third grade. And when he was about a year and a half, um, we were pregnant with our second baby and um, found out that it was a little girl, but that she wouldn't be able to survive outside of the womb. Um, And so that was our daughter, Evie, and she passed away uh, about four hours after she was born. And then um, about a year and a half later, we had our rainbow baby girl, Jocelyn, and she just turned five, and she's going into kindergarten in the fall. And she's so special, and I always tell her she makes my heart sparkle. That's what she—that's <laughs> what she feels like. So she's she's such a sweetie. Um, and then when she was a just just shy of one, we found out that um, we were pregnant with another baby. And at the halfway point of that pregnancy, that ultrasound, we found out that. Um, our son, Charlie, was also not going to be able to live outside the womb, so he passed away um, maybe about 30 minutes after he was born, and so that's our fourth baby, and then uh, my husband and I felt like we wanted to try one more time. We didn't want to just end our family on Oh, just like such a sad, heavy, um, heavy end. And the Lord just kind of put on both of our hearts to try one more time. And so that's our sweet little guy, Silas. And he's so spunky and full of life. And um, he's two and a half now. And um, so those are my kiddos. Three, I get to mother here and I love it. And two, um, I look forward to finding out more of who they are when I get to heaven one day. So, yep, those are my kiddos. Yeah.
0: What was that, um, initial diagnosis, um, um, like for you? How did, how did you respond and, and kind of what did that picture look like for you and your husband?
1: It was extremely shocking and just, like, it felt like my whole world just like crashed. I mean, I didn't know anybody who this happened to. So the idea of being pregnant with the baby that was gonna pass away, but you have to finish the pregnancy was just like overwhelming. And so I think um, I just remember, Oh, I just remember like, how um, helpless I felt, I guess, and just how absolutely shaken up I was like, how, like, what, like, and I, I remember the doctor saying, Do you have any questions? And I remember thinking all of them like i like i don't i have every question like how do i do this what is this going to be like you know what does this mean for my future um Mm -hmm. so it just felt you know very i mean just like a bomb went off in the middle of my pretty normal happy generally peaceful life Mm -hmm. and i do remember my husband saying like at some point that day like if we really Believe what we say we believe about Jesus and about um, salvation and the hope that He offers and like about our faith. This is where it happens. Like when when you're faced with something like this, this is where you decide. You know the the um saying goes like where the rubber meets the road. It's like do you really believe what you say you believe? Mm-hmm. And so I think that was impressed on me very early, and it was um, kind of framed the rest of my journey of like this is a faith-shaping experience for me, but also um, for people who are watching and for people who are going through similar things. Um, mm-hmm. So it was both earth-shattering and also felt like an opportunity to, to sort of prove my love and commitment to the Lord.
0: Do you remember who the first people were that you shared the news with?
1: Um, we had a regular ultrasound kind of at the beginning of the day. So I think when I, when we came home, maybe it was right before lunchtime, I had put something on Facebook, like doctors are concerned that our baby has low amniotic fluid, please pray. So I think people, people were alerted, you know, friends and family were kind of alerted that something was going on. Um, But the first person that like I told after we knew for sure that she was not going to survive, it was my mom because she was at home watching Micah. Uh-huh. And so we pulled into the driveway and she had come out. She was kind of waiting for me outside. Uh-huh. And I just remember, like, I, I mean, like, I couldn't hold back the tears. I was, uh-huh. I hadn't stopped crying. And so I said, she's like, you know, what's, like, what's going on? And I'm like, she, I, I can't remember exactly what I said, but something like, I'm gonna carry her the rest of the pregnancy and then and i kind of like did a hand motion to mean like it's kind of gonna go away you know she's gonna go Uh, away and and my mom she's like sarah no and she just held me and cried and uh, um so and then i honestly i honestly don't remember after that how our families found out but i do know by the end of the night like my josh's parents and siblings and my mom and I think my sister and my dad were all we were all in our house like with food <laughs> so somehow everybody found out but I don't remember what happened after that but um everyone was at our house that evening just to kind of I mean what else are you gonna do except just kind of be together and cry it was um that's what it felt like yeah wow
0: what were some of the other ways that people supported you or that spoken to your life after you lost Evie
1: um I had a handful of friends that I felt would just listen and they would just make it a point to take me out to coffee and let me talk and let me cry and let me, you know, they weren't trying to like fix or come up with solutions. It just felt like I was really being heard, which I think is invaluable. Mm -hmm. Um, Something so practical is that we had people would bring us meals, which I always appreciated it was just one less thing for me to have to think about because I right. just felt so preoccupied with just grief and processing so just to have that burden lifted was yeah was really incredible That's huge um but I think just the friends who would who would make it a point to reach out to me let me say what I needed to say and just I guess kind of absorb it or respond in a very Um, not even a positive way, but just respond in like an affirming way, just kind of like a, I'm so sorry, kind of response was, was really, really invaluable. Mm. So, yeah.
0: You had a friend that, um, and we'll talk about your book soon too, but in your book, you have a, a section that you, where you write about this friend's gift to you in writing out her perspective of what she observed in your little Evie's short life and your just, yeah, it's really, really special. Do you feel like sharing a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I, it was such a gift. I didn't ask her to do it, but, um, I think I'm trying to remember when she gave this to me, but she dropped off like a little care package with, I don't know, probably chocolate and tea and just this little note. It was her hand, handwritten recounting of Um, the four hours that we spent with Evie and um, what she wrote meant so much because, you know, I think when we lose babies so quickly, um, it it can seem like they didn't matter to other people. And I think as mothers, like they matter, like they matter infinitely to us. Mm -hmm. And we have this uh, I guess I can't speak for every single, but I I personally had this need, like I wanted her to matter to other people, like really matter to other people. So when um, Lauren wrote this to me and I could see the impact that Evie had on her life, it just meant so much. Um, so I can just read a little bit. This is just the end um, of her note to me. She's talking about what happened the morning after she got home from um, from being with Evie. So. I looked out my window this morning to see the world rushing by. Didn't they know a miracle had happened? Didn't they know that the sacred touched down in the wee hours of the morning? Time has stopped for a little while. I know it must start again, but I don't want to miss God in this moment. I want to cherish everything this experience is. I will never forget. Evie Garris came and touched hearts and lives. In just four hours, her life made an impact that some never do. I will always remember the way she felt in my arms the way she looked in yours, and I will always remember her home going and the love in that room. Tonight as I wrap my daughter in her pink blanket, I will pray for your broken mommy heart and I will praise and worship the father for precious Evie Garris your daughter, a gift from the Lord.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, makes me choked up <laughs> just I, to read it. It's very sweet.
0: I can't imagine what that meant to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah
0: do you want to share just a little bit about what it was like to, to go through a second diagnosis? I can't imagine what that would feel like and what that, where the mind would go. Yeah. You know, and so can you just talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. Um, I remember being in the ultrasound room. It was a different ultrasound technician. Um, and we had Micah and Jocelyn with us so they could, like, find out what their new baby was going to be. And um, I just remember she said, the ultrasound technician, she said, um, she said, how much water are you drinking, Sarah? I hardly see any amniotic fluid. And that's exactly what we knew was the problem with Evie was that oh. the amniotic fluid caused that um, she wasn't able to grow properly and her lungs were not able to to develop properly. And so in that moment, she just said, how much water are you drinking? Like, I just I just knew, I just knew it was happening again. And wow. my husband, like, he's he got emotional right away. And like, bent, like, you know, I was on the bed. Um, and so he bent over and just like held me and was crying. And um, I just felt in the moment, I felt like a emotional almost, I felt like cynical. I was like, of course, like, of course, this is gonna happen again. Like this mm-hmm. awful, terrible thing. Of course, I'm going to have to do it again. Like just the cruel irony of the world. That's that's how I felt. I didn't feel anything spiritual or loving or anything. I just felt like, ugh, like of course, you know, what a world. <laughs> so that's just um, honesty, but yeah.
0: <laughs> that's just raw human emotion, right? We yeah. sometimes can't even predict how we're going to respond to these kinds of things. So you knew that you had to walk through... Another remainder of this pregnancy, anticipating um, a loss. Yeah. Um, so, maybe share a little bit if you don't mind of when Charlie was born and, and that time with him. What was that yeah. like?
1: Um, he was born very early in the morning on September eighteenth, two thousand fifteen, um, and. I knew right away that he was, um, much more fragile than Evie. Like he, he didn't ever really take like good breaths. Like he, he just seemed very, very fragile from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I remember holding him. And then I remember he was passed to the family and friends that were in the room and we had a, f- a few moments um where Micah and Jocelyn were just in there with us and then by the time he came back to me he was already gone and it was so short um mm. and I just it just felt like I just everything about his life felt just too short not that Evie's didn't but I felt like we got to do things with it like we got to change her and bathe her and mm. we had lots of pictures and with him it was just like it was just over and it was um i think that's part of just kind of a different thing to grieve with his loss i mean then also we had been told we, we actually didn't know he was going to be a boy we had expected that he was going to be a girl <laughs> so even in that in that moment it was like oh it's it's a boy like oh my goodness we have a boy and then it's like i couldn't even you know, we couldn't really celebrate that part. It was, it was kind of over before we even started. And, and so, um, it's just a very, uh, I, I don't want to say it was like extra sad, but just like an extra aspect of grieving his loss is that Mm -hmm. it just, nothing felt completed. I guess it was all just kind of snatched away before I even got a chance to grab onto it. Maybe.
0: Where was your heart at, um, in those hours and days following, um, his loss.
1: Well, we had, it was, it was just like a crazy time of life. We had just moved. We had closed on our house literally one week before the Friday before he was born. And so we were in a brand new house in a new area. Um, and so I think so much of life kind of felt unsettled. Um, so it was, it was a strange, surreal kind of, everything just felt like up in the air, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then I had felt that way throughout my pregnancy with him, that life was just moving really quickly and where it kind of felt like it stood still for Evie for me to process her diagnosis. And then after she passed away um, with Charlie, life was still just happening. It just felt like it was happening Mm -hmm. quickly. Um, And one week after Charlie passed away, um, my grandma passed away. And so it was maybe about Mm -hmm. 10 days after he died, I packed the kids up and we went up to Pennsylvania for my grandma's memorial service. And so I just felt like even more or just like even uh, added to that feeling of like life isn't going to slow down for this. And my grieving and all this processing is going to have to happen kind of in, <laughs> in the recesses of my own heart, I guess, because I'm just still having to um, do life and and help other people in their grief and um, Mm -hmm. enter into other people's grief and Mm -hmm. so yeah it was it was kind of uh it was very different than it had been after evie
0: yeah um can you talk a little bit about the grief process that you walked through
1: i think uh, the, the phase of life i was in felt so different so i think with evie i felt like for almost the whole year after she passed away my life felt quiet or or maybe I was able I was able to make it quiet. My, Micah was only two, um, so you know he was still taking naps, and you know he didn't care about going to friends' houses or you know whatever. So mm-hmm. it just it felt like my life was more quiet, and I had time mm-hmm. to just read or like we played outside a lot together, just the two of us. And so I felt like my grieving process was slow, and I could just really think about what I was feeling and think about what I was thinking, you know, I had a lot more space. My husband was in, was in school, so he was not home very much. Life just felt different. And then after Charlie, it felt so fast. Um, And I just think I'm grateful that I experienced what I did previously so that I could kind of transfer some of those thoughts um, to my second grieving process which sounds mm-hmm. kind of crazy but I am grateful for that mercy mm-hmm. um, but one of my favorite pictures of the grieving process was, is even still to this day I think it's so helpful but it's like this diagram it says how you want grief to look and it's like a, a straight line and with like an arrow mm-hmm. like always this sort of linear progression it's always nice. moving you know positively onward and then the next uh, right next to it says how grief actually works and it's just like tangle of lines just (laughs) all mixed up Yeah, and I think that just accurately describes what it feels like um you know we want to say today or in this moment I feel better like I feel happy and so all of my moments from now on are going to be happy Mm -hmm. when when in reality when you're grieving you have highs and lows in the same day and even one thought to the next thought it's Mm -hmm. it can be so different and I don't really know how to explain why it's that way I just know that it is and that it's important in those moments to not get discouraged like well you know this morning I felt happy and now I feel (laughs) kind of depressed and I just want to be by myself you know what's wrong with me it's there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with you this is what grief feels like and so it looks like um and um I think it's just so important to give ourselves the grace and the space to just understand that our emotions for a while are going to be so messy like that.
0: Yeah. Do you think um going into um or walking through the grieving process, do you think having that knowledge and understanding and acceptance of it being this up and down kind of journey do you think that that could help women to um, walk through the grieving process better
1: i think it would help eliminate some frustration i think Mm -hmm. um i think when we're expecting that it's always going to be forward motion it just feels frustrating Like why am i not better why do i still feel this way why you know did i not cry yesterday and today you know, I've used this whole box of tissues. It's, I think, Mm. I think when we have an expectation of what we think grief should be, and for some reason we think it should always be forward progression, it just feels too frustrating. And we get on top of the grief, we add our own frustrations with ourselves. So I would hope that if someone was going through that and they were able to just understand how messy it feels and looks, um, hopefully that would just help them open up the possibility for more grace um, as they grieve. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I wish I would have known that. I think that it would have been helpful. Uh, what kinds of, of things help help or helped you guys to um, to heal, but also to um, talk with the kids specifically about their siblings that um, were are not uh, visibly present.
1: Yeah. Well, after, when Charlie passed away, Jocelyn was only one. So she didn't really, <laughs> she didn't really have, uh, I don't know, I guess a grieving process, but mm-hmm. um, I know Micah, I mean, he was there when Evie passed away and then now Charlie passed away. And so I think something that we've always, that I've always tried to, to be intentional with is, you know, if they have a question about their siblings, um, to take the time and answer whatever the question is, even if it's something I don't know, like, what are they doing in heaven? Like, you know, well, I, I actually don't know, but we know that it's a place where there's no more tears and no pain. So we know they must be happy. And, um, so just being okay to say, I don't know, or kind of come to a conclusion together. Um, but I always try to make space for them. And I know now Jocelyn is, five and sometimes she'll cry and say i wish i had my sister and i always i always try to say like i i understand babe i'm so sorry i wish she was here too and it doesn't typically last very long and i'll be perfectly honest she usually uses it as an excuse to get out of something she doesn't want to do because she knows then my like you know so that is a hard balance there too of like do i do i engage in this <laughs> are you actually grieving or are you just trying to manipulate me so um that's kind of tricky but i do try to make space like if they have a question or, or want to ask um, or want to feel things like just try to take time and, and do that with them and it doesn't mm-hmm. usually last very long um so i did make a book using like a Shutterfly, you know, Shutterfly has those photo books. I did make a book about their siblings um, a couple of years ago and we haven't pulled it out in a long time, but it just kind of like a storybook um, for them about their siblings, you know, um, what kind of what was, uh, what their issues were and like what it was like when they were there, Um, just a few simple sentences per page. But um, I remember that Micah liked it when I first made it. But that's kind of an idea. You know, if you have kids that are trying to process or have questions, um, those kind of photo books are a good way to put together visuals with just what the information you want your kids to know about their siblings that aren't there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. That must just be so, so huge for them just to be able to even go and just read that whenever they... Whenever yeah. they just feel like they want to remember mm-hmm. and see those little sweet faces. Oh, yeah. that you did that. Um, speaking of heaven, um, on the cover of your beautiful book, um, you have a description it says a story of life loss and the hope of heaven. Can you t- um, share with us a little bit about your perspective of heaven, um, as a child and then, what that looked like transitioning into adulthood and then how the loss of your baby shaped the hope of heaven that you have now.
1: Yeah. Well, I just remember as a kid, like being very afraid of the idea of being somewhere forever. Like I couldn't, it's like, I don't understand what forever is like. And I don't know. It was just, it was scary to me. Like I couldn't grasp it. So our minds can't, right? Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean it's not like as an adult I get it, but <laughs> as a kid for some no, reason I'm it... still like that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exactly. As a kid it just felt especially intimidating and I just remember feeling like like I would just have to be like done thinking about it because it just felt so yucky in my tummy. That's <laughs> how I remember mm-hmm. thinking. Um and then I kind of like carried that with me through adulthood like I mean I understood from everything I knew in church that heaven was like a good place but I didn't get I didn't like get it like I just didn't get what it would be like to be summer forever. And I thought it would just be um, just kind of, I don't know. I, I know my mom lost her mom when she was a kid. She was only seven years old when her mom passed away from cancer. And um, part of my mom's story is that she just, she took that. I mean, that death impacted her life significantly. I mean, as, it, as anybody's would, but it just, um, it was really, really hurtful shaping experience in her young life. And so I think she just, when she was able to get married and have her own family, like she just loved it so much. And I just remember her saying like, heaven, you know, almost this sentiment that like heaven, there's no way heaven can be as good as like what I have here. And so I kind of carried that with me, sort of that fear of forever in heaven and kind of like, well, it must not be that great. I don't get it Mm. for a long time. And my husband, worked in the ICU. Um, he was a, a nurse in our ICU at our local hospital for four years. And I just remember him saying, um, something to the effect of like heaven, heaven's going to be great. It's going to be every best experience we've ever had in our life, but like without the taint of sin or pain or any of that, it's going to be that yes. forever. And how, mm-hmm. Like that is something that we have to look forward to. And I'd never thought of heaven that way. Like I never thought of it, that there wouldn't be any sin or any pain. Um, and like, what would that be like to have just good, peaceful feelings all the time and experiences mm-hmm. and, and like that true fellowship with the Lord that there's no way we can know what it feels like here. And uh, yeah. so from at that point, it was kind of like, okay, heaven's gonna be like really good. Um, and that was an important piece to hold with me when, you know, I got Evie's diagnosis and knowing that heaven was a good place. And also like my daughter was going to go there, like, because of Jesus, like my daughter is going to go to this real place that is made possible because the blood of Jesus. And that Mm -hmm. was just so comforting to me. And not only that, like one day I would see her again. Um, you know, it wasn't it's so painful to lose her and to lose Charlie, but in a way, um, and this is a little bit oversimplified, but it's almost like we just said, like, see you later. You know, um, we know, I know that I'm going to see them again. And that's a really difficult reality that they're not with me here, but like that hope that I will see them one day because of Jesus is, is, just huge. And, um, infinitely helpful on, on the really sad, sad moments. So, yeah.
0: I feel like loss is what actually the Lord can use yeah. to tether, tether our hearts to word heaven.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Yeah. And it seems so strange, but it makes sense as well. I had right up until a few years ago, a really difficult time at that. And, um, and then after we lost river um i believed and i knew where he was i felt that with my whole heart but it wasn't until this past year where the, where the, just through different circumstances going on in our life i felt the lord truly give me this new hope and this new vision of of seeing my little river one day and the mm-hmm. other two babies that we've lost And it has become so beautiful and it has changed my perspective of heaven in such a profound way. And I am so grateful. I'm grateful for how God has used that to turn my heart towards the truth of heaven, the reality of heaven, the hope of heaven in just such a different way and in uh, in such a beautiful way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, how have you been able to use your motherhood story um, to pass on hope to other other mothers?
1: After Evie's diagnosis, I um, started blogging fairly regularly. And it was kind of a way to inform people of what was going on without having to relay the information verbally over and over. So that was really helpful. Um, and it grew into more than just you know, communicating information from doctor's appointments and more or less a journal for me to process how I was processing, you know, to, um, just kind of write out the thoughts and feelings I was having, what the Lord was showing me through his word. And, um, so through that, I was able to make connections with other mothers who were going through similar things and even, even just people who were going through other pain because sometimes sometimes just the fact that someone else is hurting deeply can reach you no matter if you're experiencing the same thing or something different um but from that blog um you know i kind of continued blogging through i mean i still have it so um but it was very regular between uh with evie's diagnosis and after she passed away and i felt like the lord i felt like the lord put on my heart to write a book and like people had said you know you should you should write a book. You should write a book. And I tried at many points and it just never like stuck for lack of a better word. I could never mm-hmm. flesh out what it was gonna be. So I kind of put it on the back burner, but it never went away. Um, so I had the blog for, for years, even when Charlie was diagnosed. And then shortly after he passed away, I remember distinctly giving myself a couple of weeks, um, but having this distinct impression of Matthew 25 and the parable of the servant and the talent, or excuse me, the master and the servant with the talents mm-hmm. where the master gives three of his servants, um, money, and then he goes out of town and two of the servants take what their master gave them and invested it and doubled it. And mm-hmm. they're told well done. And then the third servant is too intimidated by what the master gave him and he buries it. And, you know, he is strongly reprimanded. And I just remember having that story impressed on me very strongly after Charlie and just spending months praying that the Lord would show me what that meant, how I was supposed to use this. Like I knew it was an impactful story and I didn't want to bury it. And Mm -hmm. so um, in January, after Charlie passed away, I felt this very distinct impression that the Lord told me to start a podcast. And... I had never listened to a podcast before my husband listened oh, yeah. to them. Um, so like I was aware of what they were, but I just remember thinking like podcasts. like how does a regular person start a podcast? What does this even mean? Um, but from January, so the end of January, February and March, I we, you know, my husband helped me. We kind of developed what the Heart Lessons podcast was going to be. Um, and then it launched at the beginning of March, 2016. Um, so I know that has been able to reach many women, um, even even bigger than infant loss. You know, we've touched on a lot of different subjects over the years and um, it's been a blessing. Um, and then fall of 2017, sort end of summer, beginning of fall 2017, I kind of felt like the Lord impressed on me, like it's time, like it's time for the book. And for the first time ever in all the years, I was able to sit down and kind of plan out the stories I wanted to tell and the heart lessons Lord had shown me that I wanted to write out, and that process for the first time ever just felt like it, it just clicked and it just felt like the time was right because it was, um, I don't want to say it was easy because you know it was still hard work, but it was it felt like a door had been opened and I was just kind of walking through all the doors, which had never felt like that before. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's incredible. It's incredible. So, you know, part of my healing has been just this ability to give back and to be able to, I think, I think it's either first or second Corinthians that says, you know, comfort others with the comfort that the Lord has shown me. Um, And that's been just such a huge blessing, even though every time someone reaches out to me to tell me that, you know, what I've done helped them through a hard time. It's still, I like I wish none of us had to experience it Um, but I'm so grateful that yeah even still you know I'm able to use this pain to help someone else in their pain Mm -hmm. and that just that means a lot to me
0: can you share some encouragement uh, for the mom who has just received a terminal Mm -hmm. diagnosis what would you what would you like to share with her to encourage her heart during this really painful time
1: uh, I think the first thing I would say was just, I'm so, so sorry. Um, I'm just so sorry. And uh, a phrase that I've learned recently um, from oh, Lisa Turker's book, actually, it's the title, but just, it's not supposed to be this way. It And it hurts yeah. when it happens to you. You know, mothers aren't supposed to bury their children. Um, babies are supposed to be born and come home. And when that, that natural, typical flow is interrupted, and when it happens to you, it just hurts so much. And so I'm just so sorry, I'm just so sorry. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't want to just tell her what to do, I guess, if she was asking, you know, how do I get through this? Um, I would just say one moment at a time, and that's the worst answer. You want somebody who's going to deliver you. That's what you want. You want somebody to turn to who's going to take it away. Um, So I'm sorry that's the only word. Those are the only words I have, but it's just one moment at a time, one day at a time, one breath at a time. Um, Mm -hmm. It's figuring out in that moment, can you focus on what's true, good, pure lovely um or do you just need to cry you know um just so much grace and patience with yourself and i would just hope and pray that she has at least one person that she could um that would just listen to her and validate her pain and and just sit with her in that heaviness um i guess i would encourage her to to find somebody and turn to them but um just to that woman i'm so sorry i My heart goes out to you, and I wish there was an easier way, but um, if you can imagine it right now, whatever you're feeling like right now, if you can take this, um, one day it won't feel like this. And I would just hope that would encourage her to to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: I just felt kind of prompted just because, you know, we're talking about the hope of heaven. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you, um, when you imagine your sweet little girl and little boy Mm -hmm. in a perfect place, how do you
1: picture them? What does that look
0: like? What are they, what are they doing or what do they look like?
1: After Charlie passed away, um, I was on Pinterest and I can't even remember if I searched for something, but when I saw this picture, it just took my breath away. And it was a picture of this little boy running on a beach and it was kind of like the lighting was kind of sunsetty. So it was kind of, you know, pretty lighting. And he was a little blonde boy wearing like, which I know you can't see me, but <laughs> like that's our, yeah. our kids are light haired and, yeah. um, And he was running on the beach and he was wearing like a long white shirt and had like angel wings and um, maybe he looked like he was about two or three years old. And underneath the caption, it said, mom and dad, I'm okay. XOXO. And when I saw that photo, I don't even know where it came from or why it appeared, except I'm pretty sure the Lord sent it to me on purpose. Um, Gosh, I'm getting teary, but um, I don't, I don't know if that's what they're doing. Are they running on beaches? I have no clue. I don't know if they will be little. I don't know it at all. But that picture just brings it feels so sweet to me. And mm-hmm. whatever they're doing, I just feel like the Lord sent that to me to say like they're okay. And um when I think of what they are, like I feel like my heart needs them to be little and mm-hmm. needs it to look like that. So when I go to heaven, like I'll get something that I feel like I missed so um yeah I don't know if that totally answers your question but that that picture brings such comfort to me and I think about it often when I think about them in heaven
0: that's so beautiful Sarah yeah
1: I'm over here crying I know
0: (laughs) I really love that I I think um I don't know what it is about the ocean and beaches that is just—it seems to just capture all the beauty of who God is. Like, yeah, oh, it's a beautiful image, and I think that that's yeah. You could just—it's a beautiful thing to people to kind of go back to that rather than like pain and grief. To have that image in your mind, I think, brings so much peace. Must yeah. it must? Yeah, it does. It does. I just wanted to ask you for fun a little question. Sure. If you had 4 hours all to yourself and um someone had already cleaned I'm like wiping a tear away, well. <laughs> and some and someone had already cleaned the whole house for you. What would be your ideal way to spend that time? Where would you go or, and what would you do?
1: Oh, I feel like I would just sit quietly and read for a while. (laughs) I would probably have a cozy blanket and something warm to drink and I'm sitting in the chair right now but I have this great rocking chair in my room and I feel like I would maybe I would spend the whole four hours in this chair (laughs) reading uh, just kind of letting myself get lost in thought. I feel like that's one of my favorite things to do is just kind of like I don't know. I just feel like I need a lot of space to think about life and quiet in which to do so, which doesn't come by easily with my kids. Which I love them so much, but I also do love the opportunities when it's quiet. (laughs) So yeah, we need it. Yeah, we need it.
0: It's so important. Yeah, I'm encouraged by you, Sarah, I'm so encouraged, and I'm just so excited for others to hear your story. Um, To read your book, I will link to that and to share your podcast. Um, You're such a blessing, friend.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: I feel like my conversation with Sarah provides only a small glimpse into the rich content of her book. It's not very often that I read a book and when finished think, I need to read that again. But that's exactly how I felt. Instead of releasing new interview episodes this fall, Sarah will be releasing her book chapter by chapter on her podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to the Heart Lessons podcast so you get a notification as soon as those are available. You can also find out more about sarah including written articles and interviews at sarahrickey.com or on instagram you can find those links in the show notes also if you'd love a copy of sarah's book it can be purchased on amazon or her website as well as at barnes and noble online and at press.com as always friends thank you so much for joining me today i just want to remind you to keep your eyes up and focused on jesus push away the things that don't bring life to your soul as you press on ahead day by day with great purpose. You are so, so loved.